All right, this is Travis Roeder. I'm here with Jeff Davis. Uh, we just recorded 10 minutes and Jeff's computer froze, so we're really hoping that doesn't happen again. Unfortunately, we lost all the funny jokes and other kind of, uh, you know, fun joshing, joshing each other that we had in the last one. So we're just going to jump into the football this time. Um, we're talking Baylor-Texas, of course. Baylor's got a massive uh, matchup at home against Texas this week. Uh they don't have to win to keep their Big 12 chances alive, but it would go a long way for sure. So it's a massive game in that respect. Also, maybe the last time Baylor's going to play Texas at home, maybe for God knows how long. So anyway, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to deep dive that Baylor-Texas game. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to kind of a recap on Baylor and Texas season, not Baylor and Texas's seasons, not like uh, – going through each of their games or anything like that, but just kind of providing an overview of each team, what they bring to the table, what their weaknesses are. And then after we do that, we'll break down how they match up against each other. Exactly. So uh, that's a long intro without hearing from Jeff. Jeff, thanks for being on tonight. Of course. I had like one half decent joke, so I won't try to repeat it because I definitely won't get it. That's uh, all good. But yeah, but Jeff and I, uh, Jeff and I have been talking ball together for a while now and it's really fun. And, and we appreciate the comments for people that reach out and, Want to, want to hear what we have to say, and, and mostly just because we just love talking uh, football. We love talking Baylor football, and so keep the comments, questions, everything else going. Uh, but with that said, Jeff, I'll start off with some questions here for you. Uh, what do we make of this Baylor team? Where are they at at this? Uh, you know, they're six and one. They're three and one in the Big Twelve. Uh, you need to basically stay under two losses to uh, make the Big Twelve title game. But uh, so where? What's up with this Baylor team right now? What, what are they good at? What are they bad at? And how does that kind of differ from your preseason expectations? Yeah, so uh, preseason expectations, like, uh, they're pretty close on what I thought they would be defensively. Um, they, well, we'll start there because that's the easier conversation. You know, at defensive, the, the question of going in really was, was defensive line. Could the defensive line take the step because last year they just, they were not there. Um, and I think the answer to that is just a pretty resounding yes. In fact, if there is the two biggest successes outside of GB, and we'll talk about him later, but offensive line and defensive line play have been markedly better this year, particularly defensive line. Um, a lot of that is, I'm sure, being having having a real offseason with in terms of uh, strength and conditioning. They look a lot, they look a lot better. They look a lot stronger. They're able to stand up to the point of attack with what. Um, a random wants to do, particularly in run defense, but you know, they look a lot better. Um, I, they pretty much everyone has exceeded my expectations. There have been a couple of areas that I wish were a little better. Um, but you know, in terms of actual players, but there's not, you know, I wish I was better at my job as well. And I don't want to dog, I don't want to dog kids. So we'll leave it at that. Um, but I think it's a really good strength is the defensive line. They're, they're, they're playing really well and defensively they're, they're pretty close to what I thought they would be. Um, offensively, you know, when we talked about this in the off season, there was, it was almost like you had to qualify it, which was, is it a mediocre offense? It's going to be this. Is it going to be a decent offense? It's going to be this. Is it going to be a great offense? It's going to be this. You know, I just, there was such a variance with what they had coming into this year with a brand new system, um, a dramatic change from how they wanted to handle their um, blocking schemes compared to anything that they've really done. Um, brand new quarterback and brand new coaching staff. So, you know, pretty much everything is brand new. Obviously that didn't, you know, that's better than what it was considering how much it struggled last year, but I didn't really know what to expect. You know, I think that what we've seen, what we've seen from them offensively has been well beyond my, my expectation. I, I, a reasonable best case scenario for me coming into the season would have been like, 
a top 40 offense and maybe a top 20, 15 to 20 defense. Um, they're much better than that offensively. And that's a credit to this coaching staff. It's really a credit to the players for how hard they've worked and how hard they've bought in. You can see it with their technique and you can see it with their execution. You know, you don't, you don't execute the way that this team does if you're not bought all the way in and you're giving it 100%. And so it's just the effort is 100% there. Uh, the technique is there. The coaching is there. And it's just it's been really fun to watch this offense kind of um, – bubble up in a way because even and this is not to dog art briles art browse a whole separate concept or anything like that but it's also true that if you go back and watch you know even those really good art briles teams so much of what they did was predicated off of the ability to hit really huge constraint plays at tempo you know how can we hit how can we hit these huge bombs when we're running 100 100 plays a game uh they didn't always play with great technique and this, what we've kind of seen in the last two weeks, and I'm fascinated to see if it'll if it'll spill into uh, Saturday, is I think I think we've seen a team that's playing with really great technique, that's playing with a lot of physicality, that is well coached and has a very good, I think, the best quarterback in the Big Twelve. I'll go ahead and say that now. Um, and I don't know, I don't know that I have seen that from a Baylor offense. Since I was a, since I started really being a fan full time, I, I that's a very big statement. But even you know when you go back and you look at those early at those Art Browse teams that were putting up huge amounts of points, they didn't always play with physicality. They didn't always play with the best um, uh, with the best technique. It was a lot of you know constraint plays that they were able to hit big bombs off of, and it seems right now like it's coming together in a way that's really for for a nerd like me that I just find really fascinating. Yeah, I think there's a pretty strong case to be made that I think it's kind of picking hairs and the units are pretty close on both sides of the ball. But the fact that you can make a good argument that Baylor's offense is better than their defense right now is pretty crazy compared to our preseason expectations. Yeah, it, uh, it's just it, so far beyond what we figured. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It really is. like It's, it's really crazy how balanced Baylor is. Baylor has – Baylor – Right now is not elite at anything, but they are great at everything, and that's that's very rare. Um, I mean, yeah. I just I, I can't I really can't think of a I can't think of any Baylor team in my lifetime that has been more balanced than than this one right now. I just it's got a you know a good to great rush defense, a good to great pass defense, a good to great rushing attack and a good to great passing attack and you combine that with a good to great special teams and like you just you don't see that level of balance in college football it's very very rare um yeah i wanted to get your reaction to i was kind of i've been these past few weeks as we the big 12 title race picture is becoming you know more and more teams become eliminated and so we've kind of become focused on four teams now which is oklahoma oklahoma state baylor and iowa state Texas still has a chance if they run the table. Obviously, I just think that's very unlikely given that they still have to play Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas State, I think. Anyway, um, but I kind of made the point, like, I think you can almost separate it between teams that might make the title game and teams that might win the game. And one of the things I was thinking about is that it's really, really hard to win a league, and especially to win a league playing a team twice, which you necessarily have to do in the Big 12 if you just are really, really weak on either side of the ball. Uh, Oklahoma fans are going to counter by saying, look, we win the league all the time by having pretty mediocre defense at best. The problem is that they've had elite, elite, elite offense on the other side every year they've won it. 
they don't have an elite elite offense this year. I mean, it's 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 pretty damn good, like even against Kansas and all that considered. Um, but Baylor and Iowa State seem like two teams that definitely have way more balance than either Oklahoma, who has a pretty dang good offense and a pretty mediocre defense, and Oklahoma State, who is just the opposite. Do you kind of buy that, or do you think it's just kind of like, eh, who's the better team? Doesn't really matter. No, I do because over. Well, I, I, maybe a better way to phrase this for my as I'm trying to think through how to describe this. Um, when you over the course of a, you know at, at an individual game level, it may not matter as much, but over the course of a season, you're if you are well balanced, you're much you have, you're in a much better position to deal with. Um, different with two things first you can deal with one side of the ball being down you know if the offense craps the bed against and i think baylor's a good example against oklahoma state offense really struggled against oklahoma state the defense was good enough to keep them in a position where they were within one possession at the end of that game and they did nothing offensively in the first half um vice versa like when you don't have that though you just have to be you have to be so perfect and it's that's the biggest issue i have with oklahoma state i just I have a huge amount of respect for gundy for what he's done with this team um the iowa state game made me a believer in them i was not a believer in them the iowa state game made me a believer in them he has gotten i think you said this on on twitter but he's extracted every ounce out of that team possible and with the with the injuries they've had with the straight up subpar quarterback play that is Sanders. Um, he has gotten an incredible amount out of that team, but it's just too much of a knife's edge to expect them to win out the game. Like I just don't I don't know how they beat Oklahoma and then they turn around and they're able to win that Big 12 title game with Sa- with Sanders at QB. I mean, I just it's it's so difficult for to see how they get to 30 points in any game. And this offense has continued to get better over the course of November. Um, I just, it's just difficult to see. It doesn't mean it's impossible. It's just, it's, they make it much more difficult because they're unbalanced. And I think you're right with the same thing on um, Oklahoma there, you know, Oklahoma's defense at this point is kind of a known quantity. Uh, even, you know, players come and go, but for a lot of internal reasons, I think that that's just kind of what you're going to get with a, um, with 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 that team at this point, um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. As long as saying yes, I agree with you. Right on. Yeah, so I, mean, I think I'm obviously pretty much just resoundingly agree with everything you were talking about with Baylor as far as like my perception of where they're at versus the preseason. I just want to hammer home. Like I know I've talked a lot about Baylor's defensive line um, over the last really three or four weeks, but it's pretty incredible the level they're playing at right now, and. Um, I think it gives them a chance in a lot of these games this year where, you know, teams like Texas, uh, Baylor's about to face a bunch of teams that can really attack you downfield. And um, Baylor hasn't been great on the back end this year as far as preventing big plays on the past game. So to be able to rely on the fact that you can probably stop the run without having to allocate too many resources to doing so is a real boon that I wasn't sure they would be able to have at this point. I mean, last year it was really – what's the phrase like matchsticks and I, I can't think of it right now, but they, they, they were gluing pieces together, yeah. little pieces together. Uh, the defensive line was not good at all, uh, but they were still able to cobble together a good defense, uh, a good defense this year. They're able to lean on that defensive line. And I know it's kind of coach speak to say like it all starts up front. Um, but there's really nothing like having a good defensive line. It just makes everything so much easier on the back end. It makes it to where you can 
play guys who aren't necessarily lockdown corners, but they can still be effective players because the, the front is getting so much pressure and stopping the run. So that's been really fun. I, it's just been really fun to watch it too because of the scheme change, the technique change, everything. It's, just been, it's been really fun to watch them play ball. Right on. So we're going to do the same thing with Texas now. Um, first year coach, so it's always kind of hard to have major expectations in any way and kind of the same way we were talking about with Baylor's offense. Like it's, it's difficult to have exact expectations, but you know, I think Jeff and I would both say that we're, it's, if you're a football nerd, if you, if you really love, uh, if you love scheme, it's kind of hard not to love what Sark does on offense. Obviously what he's going to become as a head coach and how he can manage the Texas organization is a whole different story. Uh, but you knew that he would he would he would maximize that offense, or not necessarily maximize, but he would get a lot out of that offense for sure. Uh, so the expectations were were difficult to pinpoint. But you know where are they at right now when you look at them, um, and do you think that like that Sark is doing a good job of kind of maximizing of, of what he has as a first year coach, where he hasn't been able to choose his guys? Um, yeah. So I, the answer to that question, the answer to the question, straightforward. Yes, I think he's done a I think he's done a great job. Um, I don't know. You know, your first six six games into your first season, I mean, you, you can't put a mark and say, like, okay, like, he's going to be successful. We, you know, we don't know. We don't know how he's going to be able to run a program over three years. We don't know how he's going to handle everything from transfers to um, the transition into the SEC. We don't know how he's going to handle recruiting long term. Um, and it's easy to say, like, you know, and I think that's probably the best way to start here is, is it's really easy to say, well, they're Texas, they're going to recruit well. But when you look at this Texas team, this Texas team is this incredible grab bag of these mind-bending talents. And the guy, like, Bijan Robinson is a freak of nature. Like, he is a freak of nature. Um, Dave Aranda did not call him the best running back Baylor has faced for no reason. I mean, he is that good. Alfred Collins looks like a space alien. He's 6'5", 300. He bends like he's, I don't know, 240 pounds. He has arms that are like 35 inches long, I think. I mean, he's an actual space alien. Overshawn is a stud. There's no other word for it. And you go down these lines and you see these just elite players for them. And then right next to them, they've got these just duds. And I don't think that uh, the previous regime did a very good job in terms of actual evals on them. Um, Baylor, in a, Baylor in some crucial areas has more talent. I think that's true on the offensive line. That's definitely true at linebacker. Like Baylor is more talented on the offensive line, and Baylor is more talented at linebacker. Um, that's you know that should that probably shouldn't happen if you're Texas. So can Sark can Sark can both eval and recruit to what he wants to do over the next three years? We don't really know. But to bring that back and talk about just this year, I've been very impressed with him. Uh, I think that if you go back and look at the Arkansas game, um, you know, I just it, it doesn't really do much for me. Like I know it's you know everyone wants to make a big a big deal out of the fact that the that Arkansas and I. I know a lot of people from Arkansas. I love Arkansas. My best man is from Fayetteville. I, 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 I have been to Fayetteville many times. Arkansas is not that good, okay? And if they play it again today, I feel very confident that Texas would win that game by multiple possessions. Um, First-year head coaches in early in a career with new schemes and new terminology and new everything, like, they're going to struggle. It just the Arkansas game does not really mean all that much to me. And if you look at what they really struggled with offensively in that game, Texas Tech tried to replicate that and got blown off the face of the earth by Texas, I think, 
week or two later. I can't really remember how many weeks it was after that, but I think it was the next, it was the next week. week. Yeah. yeah. I mean like they tried the exact same scheme and this, you know, Sark had Sark was trying to get, he's trying to get his plays in. He's trying to get his installs in. He's trying to get his installs in and he got it in. And I mean, he, they blew them off the face of the earth. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. So they are, they are rapidly improving the team that lost to the team that lost to Oklahoma state was better than the team that lost to Oklahoma. And the team that lost to Oklahoma was miles better than the team that got blown out by Arkansas. When it's your first season and you're trying to install uh, new schemes across the board with new terminology and new coaches, um, they've done a very good job. And I, I don't. And now he has a bye week. Now he's had, now he's had a bye week. I mean, it's. You know, I think that this team. I think this team is peaking for sure. I am very happy that Baylor gets them now and not um, even in three weeks. Um, if I we'll we'll get more into this later. But if I had to be honest, like I, I think that I think they. If you were a Texas fan, you match up better against Baylor than you do against Iowa State. Iowa State's the one game left on the schedule where you kind of look at that and go. I don't. I don't know if we're going to be able to pull this off. Um, but against Baylor and with what you sh- what you put on tape against Oklahoma State, like I think they have a real like they have a real chance in this game to the point that uh, as I've watched it more, I, I'm starting to lean towards actually picking them. Um, they're just they are much much improved over the previous uh, few weeks for sure. Um, and so and we talked we we mentioned we've talked about this offline a little bit and I, I, this will just piggyback into that, but. Fans have really kind of been pointing out, and this was talked about, I know, on the ODB podcast as well. Like, why are they so bad at the end of games? Um, because Texas has been dreadful uh, in the last two fourth quarters. I mean, I think it's outscored something like 40, I want to say it's like 40 to 3, 40 to 7, something like that. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's just not even close. And the first downs are probably something similar. Yeah, I mean, they're just, it's <laughs> like, they aren't even competitive uh, in the fourth quarter. And I think the reasoning for that is when I went back, and I'll tell, I'll go and Tell everyone like I, I the games I looked at for Texas explicitly I watched multiple times were Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Um, I, I watched a bunch of those, and what I what I see from them is, and this is going to have to back up slightly and talk about what Sark is so good at offensively. Um, you know, imagine you know, let's pretend that you're a player, you're an offensive lineman or you're a quarterback for the University of Texas, okay, or any football, any any D one football program. On your very first day of summer camp in July. You get in there, coach is doing the big hoorah thing. You're talking about what all you're going to accomplish as a team. What are our goals? We want to win a Big 12 title. We want to compete for a playoff. We want to be physical. We want to be tough. Coach goes through this list of everything, okay? And during that list, every single coach says, we want to be blank on offense, okay? For Jeff Grimes, that is, we want to run wide zone and we want to be physical. They call it the RVO for a reason. You can, I mean, the players buy into that mantra. You can hear you can hear wide receivers on Baylor talking about how they weren't physical enough in the run game, which is like how much those guys have bought into this statement. Um, and what Sark wants to do when he gets in there is he's going to say, like, he's got three, two or three primary pitches he wants to do in the run game. They want to run outside zone or they want to be able to run inside zone or they want to be able to run some gap scheme stuff. Okay. Each coach is going to have their core set of, I'm going to say between 20 to 30 plays. Usually those are going to be like 10 to 15 runs and between 10 and between 15 to 20 passes. Um, They're all very similar in style. It's just how do you run them out of differing formations? That's really kind of the core. That's this kind of core set of what you want to be offensively. When you say each coach, are you referring to like 
other head coaches? Yeah, yeah. Jeff Grimes. What yeah, are you sorry, referring to? That's a good point. Thank you. Uh, like every offensive coordinator, so like Jeff Grimes, they have got their, they have got their. I'm going to say approximately 25 bread and butter plays that they execute, they practice, and they rep every single week to make sure that they can do it as well as they possibly can. They're going to rep outside zone. They're going to rep. Uh, they're going to rep uh, backside or that that back the backside uh, play. They're going to rep counter. They're going to rep um, duos. They're going to rep uh, rollout. They're going to rep uh, the go routes. I mean, like they just have these core sets of plays that they're going to rep over and over to make sure they get them right. Um, and what Sark does very well is Sark takes that core set of plays that's like 20 to 30, and then he's able to look at what an opposing defense is going to do to try to counteract that. And every single week, he's able to generate a script that's, I would say, my guess is it's probably 10 to 15 plays at the college level. Usually they're a little bit more at the pro level. But they take these 10 to 15 plays and they rep them like crazy on Wednesday and Thursday. So, you know, you come in for game week. Uh, you come in you, you come in on Monday. You're doing your prep. You're going over. Uh, you're, you're trying to watch tape over the next week's game. You're doing your install starting on uh, Monday or Tuesday, depending on what team you're on. And it's here are the 12 plays that we need to know for Baylor this week. Okay, like if you're a UT offensive lineman, you've got your list of 10 to 12 plays. This is what we're going to rep. And they rep those like crazy on, in practice on Wednesday and Thursday. They really try to get them down. Um, and so Sark, Sark is able to take that script, and he's able to generate a lot of offense out of those 12 plays. They're typically shot plays, um, and by that's a Dave Aranda term. Um, but a shot play is basically a play action on a second and seven when they get a favorable look from the defense. And he's able to he's able to put together uh, by formation and route combinations stuff that is extremely good at attacking what a defense is trying to, you know, if the defense is trying to prevent an outside zone, Sarg is going to come up with a way to, to get a one-on-one -on -one with his best guy against your worst cornerback. Um, in this particular spot, and he's going to be able to get that playoff, and he's going to be able to convert it. Um, they've been able. To so this all sounds like kind of obvious. Why would every offensive coach not do this? Drawing up plays is it's not as drawing up plays is not necessarily super difficult. In order to do something like this, you have to be extremely confident in what your opponent is going to be, do defensively you have to know defense extremely well um this is for example uh, this is what makes um oh my god my brain is totally locked out on this from um uh, kyle shanahan so for your if you're an nfl guy at all like what what kyle shanahan has made his bones off of um if everyone's heard cover three with the what, uh, the legion of boom what seattle has done defensively over the last 10 years kyle shanahan has made his bones off the ability to uh create route combinations that completely f we'll just go that way we won't we won't go full r rated we'll just, we'll just <laughs> that completely f with the rules for what a cover three team is going to do on a play in play out basis and it's why his offenses are always getting guys open is because he knows that cover three scheme so well he's able to make it impossible to where guys are in constant conflict and just can't they can't make the play okay um that's difficult to do because you have to know the defense extremely well. And you have to be able to, um, you also have to be a great play caller as well. So like those two combinations of things are more difficult than they sound like. Um, well, I imagine a third aspect is something I know you and I talk about all the time 
that I think most fans don't fully appreciate when they're evaluating coaches is that being a college coach is so limited compared to the NFL as far as practice time and what you can expect from your players. And so, I mean, as a coach, you, as an offensive coach, you could drop 78 plays a week, but as you said, you only have time to really, really rep and know 20 to 30. And so I think what you're saying is he's probably figured out some way in his organizational structure to where he's emphasizing the ability to do this week to week, which has to come with pitfalls. Yes. Pitfalls. There's no way to just add positives and positives and positives and have your cake and eat it too. So I'm, I'm guessing what you're going to say is that the downside of doing something like this is that you maybe don't have that consistent, you know, uh, play you've repped a thousand times in your back pocket to go to in the fourth quarter after, you know, after your specific game week changes have gone through. Uh, yeah. I, I do think that is a big part of it. And, and to, Specifically for Texas and why I'm a little more nervous than I think other people see is, you know, they, they're coming off of a bye week. There's no reason to think that they're not significantly better. Um, but when it goes, getting back to the office to finish this train of thought, um, what I see from what I see from Texas right now is I see an offense that Sark is able to magic out of this script. He's able to magic up 25 to 35 points off of these 12 plays. Um, but once the once that call sheet runs dry they simply aren't good enough to win on their base plays. And so when you see, like, their offense has just completely collapsed in the second half of both Oklahoma and, and Oklahoma State. And part of that is, uh, part of that is uh, the opposing defense is just basically going, uh, being down, honestly, and basically saying, we don't, we might as well take the risk in pressuring the run and just getting after the quarterback. There's nothing to lose at this point, so they really limit what they can do. Um, but... The other flip side of this, they just haven't been as good executing they're executing those plays. They just don't have the talent on the offensive line to consistently do what they want to do. And so, I, I for me, for me, it's really this sounds crazy to say because it's Texas and people are going to make fun of it, but I just don't think they have the talent to do what they need to be an elite offense. They don't have the talent to do it right now. And Oklahoma State is an elite defense, um, and Oklahoma had. Oklahoma was able to put up points. They weren't able to match them. Obviously, they scored a lot. They weren't able to score enough. But that, to me, is the biggest. That really, to me, really comes down to the biggest issue. They just aren't good enough on their bread and butter plays right now to be able to do that. And Sark really alluded to this earlier this week um, in his press conference. He made a he made a comment that he doesn't, you know, he thinks he needs to trust his guys more because he doesn't, you know, he, the stuff that he knows is going because they can't execute the bread and butter. These more, I'm not going to call them exotic, but the plays that they haven't repped very often. He's really nervous about just calling him out on a crucial third down like you know if we've done this play three times and the terminology is all new it's a really high risk that somebody runs a wrong route and the play's dead in the water before it gets started and so he he's made the comment that he thinks he needs to trust his guys more and just kind of let it rip um i'm certainly after a uh, after a bye week they're probably in a better position to do that but that, to me, is why they've struggled so much offensively. And that's a very long way of getting around to that. But I think, I think that's important for Texas fans to know. I don't think that they – I don't think that their losses are because they're soft. And I know that's, that's a very popular thing to say about uh, UT players um, or UT in general, that, you know, the entitlement, all that kind of stuff. I always get a little nervous about that. I don't like calling another man soft. I mean, these are grown men. I mean, they're kids, but they're, I mean, they're grown men. And I don't, I don't see soft when I watch them. I don't see out of shape when I watch them. I see just not good enough yet. And uh, they certainly have the coaching staff to get there. So I'm kind of pumping them up a little bit here. But, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time watching the last two days, and 
I'm impressed with what I see. So, how good is Casey Thompson? Extremely average. I think that's the best way to put it. He he's great. He is great on his first read. When he has to pull down off his first read, it is a hot mess. And <laughs> hot mess is the only way to describe it. Like what what um, what he's really the two things that he's good at. Uh, the first is he's athletic as hell, and the other thing I think that is very true for him. I, I see this is a little this is projection, so I don't know this for sure. It does seem like the rest of the offense believes in him a bit more. Like they seem like they think that he's going to be able to move the ball better than the other options. I, I don't know. I don't know why that's the case. I don't know if that's really true or not. Um, but that's from watching. That's just from watching how they interact with him and how they respond to him. He's also a lot older, so it's it's a lot easier to respect him than it is necessarily the redshirt freshman that just doesn't. You know, I mean, big difference in that in those four years. Um, so he is. But getting back to the direct question, he's he's thoroughly average. I don't think he's better than GB at all. Um, in fact, I think Baylor's biggest advantage in this game is the quarterback differential um for sure but uh he's a he's an okay player i think is the best way to put it well that's a good transition i in our first uh, attempted recording i think we spent nine and a half out of those 10 minutes talking about how much how good gary bowen it is so uh let's transition to that let's talk baylor's offense for texas's defense um like you just said, you think the biggest advantage or the biggest mismatch in this game for either team is the mismatch advantage for Baylor's quarterback, Gary Bohannon, over over Casey Thompson. Yeah. Do you think that Baylor can put that to use in this game, or is it, or is it not going to matter? I think they can. Um, well, first, let's, let, me do, let me do two minutes on GB, because I called him the best quarterback in the Big 12 earlier, and, and people are going to make comments that about Caleb Williams and call me a fanboy. Um, I, I think that I think that Caleb Williams is a more talented quarterback than uh, GB. I don't think there's a lot of debate in that from an arm talent issue. And, that, and that's no slight. That's, uh, that's no slight. That's to no slight to GB. Uh, uh, Caleb Williams looks like a future top five NFL pick in two years. And if I mean that, just it just seems like an automatic given right now. He's got the he has the arm talent. Um, he seems to have. Uh, he seems to have a poise in the pocket, particularly with uh, how he handles his footwork. It's not great, but a big thing when you're looking at younger quarterbacks, and GB struggles with this now, um, is when you start to get pressured, can you keep your feet? Can you keep your feet and can you rotate your hips and can you drive off your leg and can you can you figure out a way to position yourself in the pocket so that you can have your proper footwork? Um, Williams doesn't seem to really struggle with that. Now, um, that being said, He's not particularly good at reading the field <laughs> right now. Um, he, the, particularly going back and looking at the, at the UT game, I mean, they just, I mean, he's just heaving up bombs and, and they're pulling him down. And it's remarkable arm talent, but throwing up a bomb and pulling it down doesn't necessarily mean that you're an all-world quarterback. Um, he's getting Heisman buzz right now because the media has no idea what they're doing when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, he will, Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams, I think will be the best quarterback for he will be the best quarterback in the big 12 next year. He will be the big best quarterback in either the big 12 or the sec, probably in 2023, depending on whether, whether they're headed, wherever they're headed, we don't know yet. Um, but he's not the best quarterback in the big 12 right now. Um, and I do think that title goes to GB. I just, the, what I see from him on the quarter from quarterback play, I keep going back to this. His decision-making is great. Um, he, 
you know, he, he struggled against Oklahoma State, particularly with some, um, with some accuracy issues. Uh, but he's been, he's just been really solid. I just, he's, there's no other way to put it. Like college quarterbacks make mistakes. Like they, they make, they screw up all the time. Um, so the idea that he has to be flawless to be like put in that realm is like nonsensical. Like he hasn't had any of, you know, Caleb Williams in the first half against Kansas, like GB hasn't had any stretch like that at all. Like, <laughs> so and and yeah. we can talk you can say well he's a freshman quarterback well yeah they're playing kansas like let's let's get real here like they're playing kansas like figure it out um so you know i i, I do think that gb that, that's getting back to that like gb i think is the best um i think he's the best quarterback in the big 12 right now for sure okay and what is what does he bring to the table against texas's defense that you like in that matchup so texas does the Texas defense is really interesting. Um, I, the <coughs> excuse me, um, I got a chance to go back and watch uh, BYU and Washington from 2019. That's and I I, I try to figure out how to pronounce his name. I, I can't remember how to do it. Texas defensive coordinator. It's it's classic Polish name, and I'll butcher it to death. So my apologies. Quitkowski, I think, is what it is. Um, but uh, I went I had a chance to go back and look and try to see like what did they want to do because they 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 kind of ran some junky stuff. I think against Oklahoma state and I couldn't figure out what they were doing, um, like why they would line up in certain formations and everything else. And what I've really kind of decided after being able to watch both West, both the BYU Washington game. And then this game, um, Texas is scared to death of their linebacker play and they have a good reason to be Texas linebackers are not good. Um, and so I, I'm getting to GB, but I kind of got, I kind of got to ramp into this for a second. Um, Texas linebackers are not really good. They're, they're not good in two ways. The first one is if you were able to get an offensive lineman on them, like it's it's game over. And not game over like they're not going to make a play. Like, you know, at Oklahoma State would occasionally, when they were able to get their guards on, um, when they were able to get their guards on their linebackers, like their linebackers are getting driven like five yards and put into the dirt every single time they touch an offensive lineman. Like it's not even like they try to dance around them or anything. It's almost like this sense of resignation washes over them and it's just, they're going to get taken for a ride and there they go. Um, and Texas, this is it funnily enough. And I don't mean this is a slide to the Texas defensive line coach. Cause they, I mean, it's good. If it works, they got to do it, but they are so scared that um, I saw three different instances uh, from uh, UT 95 and UT 93. So, I mean, you know, you know, this is being coached. Where they're trying to keep the they're trying to keep the offensive linemen off the linebackers, and so everyone holds. Like Baylor teaches their guys to hold. Like that's just what you do. But you hold the front of the jersey, and you need a lot of grip strength to do that. Once you once a guy gets his back to you and he's chasing paint up to the second level, you don't really have a lot of options. Um, what Texas is doing because they're so desperate is they're reaching out and grabbing the back of the shoulder pads of the offensive guards almost like a horse collar. They're not pulling them down, but they're just like giving up on maintaining their block and sticking their arm out. You can't see this on the podcast because I'm doing it, but they're just sticking their arm out and like grabbing it and holding on to the offensive guard that's that's running up. Um, that is... I think this is a good opportunity, fan, uh, Jeff. So I think fans sometimes hear defensive holding on a defensive lineman and they're like, what in the hell is going on here? So why does that matter? Like, why would it, why would a Texas defensive lineman want to do that? So the, the job for their defensive linemen, um, in rush defense, a lot of times they, 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 without getting too far into the weeds on how often they want a two gap versus one gap, because they're doing a lot of, um, 
they're doing a lot of trickeration to use a technical word up front. Um, they're presenting the illusion of complexity when it's not really that complex for the most part with the, with their fronts. Um, but when they have, they, they typically, they, I'll get a slightly into the weeds. So they usually stack one linebacker, okay? And what a stacked linebacker means is that the linebacker is lining up directly behind the defensive lineman, all right? And the reason you do that, and this is this actually originally comes from Charlie Strong at, I think, South Carolina about 15 years ago, um, is that when you do that, the offensive lineman really can't tell which gap either person is responsible for because the defensive lineman is going to take one gap, the linebacker is going to take the other gap. If you're lined up, heads up over a guard, the defensive lineman might go into the A gap, he might go into the B gap. The offensive line really doesn't know until the snap of the ball. The linebacker the linebacker just fills the opposite gap. Defensive lineman goes to A, linebacker goes to B, vice versa. Um, with their other linebacker, they tend to have him try to do, uh, they try to have him usually read flow, which means um, he's either scraping or or just reading and waiting. Um, so the defensive lineman chasing the, the ball. Yeah. <laughs> so the defensive lineman's job in that case is you can't you can't flow to the ball if you're blocked. So the defensive lineman in front of them has to keep his job, and this is what Baylor's defensive linemen are supposed to do on um, rushing downs. Is their most important job is to keep the linebackers clean. You don't want to let an offensive lineman get up and get on the linebacker. And so, if you are if you're if you're strong enough and you've got enough good technique, you can sit there and you can anchor down and you can keep those guys from doing that. But oftentimes, what happens is if you're getting comboed, which means you've got two guys attacking you, you know, in the real world, like two grown men trying to push you off the block is pretty difficult to deal with. And so what usually what happens from a defensive holding is a guy, an offensive lineman combos on you, and then he lets go to chase paint. That's an old school term for just saying he's moving to the second level. He's trying to get onto the linebacker. Um, he's chasing paint, and in order to keep that offensive lineman that's released off, the defensive lineman will grab a hold of his jersey or a shoulder pad or his arm or something to try to keep him from getting there. Because once in, in these in this type of scheme, once the linebackers get locked up by off by offensive linemen, you're basically it's there's nobody, there's back, nobody back there. Yeah, there's nobody back there. I yeah. think I think that's a. Uh, something fans will be able to appreciate when, when they see Texas on the field defensively is they're, they're one of these teams that, and this is kind of the opposite of Baylor. Uh, they're one of these defenses that kind of they're box defenders. And by that, I mean like their defensive linemen and their inside linebackers are very almost kind of separate from their defensive backs. So what you're going to see is you're going to see kind of like six guys or seven guys kind of constrained right around the line of scrimmage. And then you're going to see four defensive backs that are, pretty much all like eight, seven to 12 yards off the ball. Obviously there's variation on this and I'm not saying this happens every single down, but so how that ties into what Jeff's talking about is like, if you can get an offensive lineman on one of their linebackers, you know, a defensive back who might be a secondary run fitter, who's kind of just cleaning up in case something goes bad. He's a long way away and he might not have a good angle and he might not be a good tackler when he gets there. Yeah. <laughs> so keeping, so keeping the offensive lineman off these guys is imperative. Yes. And so they, they get into a situation where if you can, if you can get a hat on a linebacker, you're going to get eight, you're going to get eight to 12. Like that's just, that's just reality. Like you're going to get eight to 12. And then if you can make the safety miss, you're gone. 
And so it's vital for it's vital for Texas to be able to keep their linebackers clean, and that really kind of dictates what they want to do everywhere else. And so we this started off by get, get by talking about GB, and, but the reason I say I, I, we we get back to that is what GB is going to get the opportunity to do in this game a lot of is twofold, um, or really three things. The first, I think. Uh, I do think that the quarterback rush is going to be important in this game um, schematically for several reasons. I think that what um, when they want to come up and they want to pressure, they want to present a lot of um, false run fits, and so they really they really try to put a lot of guys uh, on the line and try to do um, basically try to trick who you try to play games with the offensive line of who's in the rush plan and who's not. Um, it's pretty similar to what Dave Aranda wants to do. Um, well, it, uh, this is an exaggeration. I was going to say it's similar to what they want to do in pass rush defense, but you know, there's more complexity to it than that. But more so than what um, Baylor wants to do. Baylor wants to wants to line up and play heavy with their defensive linemen, like have a very specific game plan with how they want to attack the run game. Um, Texas does not. They want to. They 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 try to play a lot of games with like they'll line a guy up in a B gap, and then all of a sudden he's like darting to the A gap across to to try to get up, and, and they'll do a bunch of things like that. That's a long way of saying that what um, GB is going to have the opportunity to do is really twofold. Um, Texas is going to play a lot of cover four. Um, they really play. They really only play two coverages. They play an aggressive cover. They play well. Three. They play an aggressive cover one where everyone's just kind of they'll they'll push up and be on the line. They play an off cover one where the guy is in a bell technique and he's anywhere from six to eight yards off. Um, Baylor fans will remember that pretty well from Rule. That's what Rule played. Um, and then they're gonna play uh, they're gonna play cover four and they're not. Yeah, I I kept assuming it was quarters because why would you not run quarters? But no, it's really cover four. Like it's a it's an old school like cornerbacks and safeties are dropping deep there's four deep and then you're um then basically for from from two from whatever side of the, your passing strength is on you're dropping your linebackers back till the first down marker and you're dropping um one of your outside linebackers so you're two insides and one outside so three at the sticks and four deep um that coverage is pretty easy to, is pretty easy to torch if you're an 11 personnel like if you know that's coming um it's just, it's honestly, it's pretty trivial to beat it. Um, it. The question is, do you know whether or not it's coming? Because what Texas does really well is they line up deep and then right at the snap, they're sending up a safety. So you're not really in quarters. You're playing a cover one and you don't really have seven in the box. You've got eight in the box. Um, so whether or not they're able to time up those guesses correctly will be will be important. But he'll have the opportunity to hit guys in the middle of the field. I think that'll be fleeks. I also think that's probably an Ebner game. Um, we've talked a lot about Abram Smith, just how dominant he's been the last couple of games. But for what they want to do, getting Smith into the middle of the field or getting Smith matched up when they're in cover one on a linebacker, that's – there's a lot of good things that come out of that, and so I, my hope is that it's there. It, Smith doesn't need to be a Smith needs to be a player, not a play. That's an old Reggie Bush saying. Um, but if he can avoid being just a play, like he could have a really big game. You know, after two big games from Ebner, I, or two big games from Smith in this. Um, and God, I'm sorry, I'm really kind of rambling. It's been a long day. <laughs> um, but uh, getting back originally to uh, GB, finally. Um, He's going to have the opportunity to hit hit the middle of the field in that cover four, and then TT's going to get his shots. Like, Taekwon is going to get bombs. Sneed are going to get bombs. When they go into a cover one, it's going to be a comeback route if they're in a bell technique, and if they're up close, 
GB's going to have to set his foot, trust his arm, and throw the damn ball. And he's got to, I mean, he just got to cut him loose. Um, if they can hit even two of those a half, it'll probably keep them out of, or excuse me, one of those a half, it'll be, it'll be enough to keep them out of just kind of really bearing down on the defense. I'm pretty optimistic. I don't, Texas cornerbacks are really athletic and there's a reason they all play bell technique because that's not what he wanted to do at Washington. <laughs> um, he wanted to put guys on, you know, at Washington, they wanted to put guys on the line. They wanted to be able to press. They don't do that very much, which is a pretty big signal that, that that's not a tool they have in the bag. Um, so there are going to be opportunities there, and I think he's going to be able to hit them. Yeah, I, I feel like from how much bail technique those corners play, and, and by bail technique, for any of y'all that don't know what that means, it's, it's, it's one of these helpful terms. Football terms are either totally obtuse and opaque, and you have no idea what they mean, or it's helpful, like in bail technique, where it sounds exactly like what it is, which is the corner is bailing deep on the snap because his primary responsibility is to not get beat deep. So I, just could, I think this could be a game like we've seen a lot of with Gary in, in, in this year where they're, they're hitting a lot of those kind of six to eight yard stop routes to the field. Uh, if they play that bell technique and like we were saying, but if they start creeping up, they can hit them over the top. Um, it'll just be really interesting to see. I'm so fascinated to see Texas when they come out defensively, whether they're Gary respecting from the beginning or if Gary has to make them pay before they respect, because I don't, I really think that that Gary's going to connect on these shots. Um, so I, I'll be really curious to see whether they pay him that respect from the first snap or, or if, or if they make Baylor try and make them pay first. Um, I would make, I would, if, if, if I'm Texas, I, I'm trying to make Gary pay. I'm trying to make Gary show me that he can do that play. Honestly. Um, the, if you like going back to look at Oklahoma state, um, which is painful, I know for a lot of fans and it's not a lot of fun to watch the tape. Like they had chances in those games. Like there was a play, there was a play, I think early in the, th- early in the third where, um, Taekwon, uh, Taekwon, um, he just had a short, like he had a short little post. Um, it was a man. And if he, if, if GB is able to hit him on what is a very straightforward throw, if he's able to hit him in stride in the hands, like, he's either in the house or he's inside the 20, like one of those two and GB just missed him. And it wasn't, it wasn't a tough throw, but he just missed him. Um, he was a little, he, you know, his mechanics got off early in the game. He wasn't able to really recover him very well. Uh, but there are plays like that, that you see. And if I, if I am Texas, I go, I'm, I'm going to make this guy, I'm going to make this guy beat me. And if he, if he shows that he can consistently beat me, then we'll back off. But if I, if I was, uh, Quinn, Quinkowski, Quinkowski, whatever it is. Sorry, apologies to him. I just, I know what I have in my linebackers and I know it's not good. So whatever I have to do to um, give up on my pass rush, which is, I mean, they, they are trading away pass rush and a lot of standard downs in order to keep their linebackers clean because they're so terrified of getting, of those guys getting stuck. Um, I, I'm going to make them, I'm going to make Baylor, um, I'm going to make, I'm going to make, Baylor beat me with GB and if yeah. if you know I, I think their worst nightmare and there's there's a path to a game where they bring they, they put eight in the box and Baylor still runs it like that path is there it really is I, I think that it, it, this is the you know the two most we you know we, we say all these names and we're talking about GB and he's the biggest schematic advantage but the two guys that really really have to play well for Baylor are going to be uh, X and J and Miller the, Baylor's two guards like they they have played uncovered 
in the last few games a lot. Uh, uncovered is a way of saying he doesn't have a defensive lineman. They don't have defensive lineman lined up over them. That's pretty typical in an odd man front. Um, BYU did some. They didn't do it a whole heck of a lot. If I if I recall, someone's going to yell at me because I'm that might be wrong. But they're going to be covered up a lot in this game, and they're going to be covered up by like Alfred Collins and Sweat and guys that are mega athletes. Um, and they're going to have to get those guys blocked. Uh, and I mean, that seems very redundant, but, you know, X and J didn't have the best game against Oklahoma State. I think that's a that's a way to phrase it. Um, and, you know, they they're they're going to have to figure that out um, if they are able to if if their guards, if Baylor's guards are able to get blocks and get seals on those guys, though. I mean. They just Texas doesn't Texas yeah. doesn't have a lot of options. I mean, they're just they, you get to a point, and Baylor Baylor fans will remember this. The closest thing I could say with their with their linebackers, it honestly reminds me a little bit of Baylor in twenty seventeen with the offensive line, where their interior backers are so bad that if those guys get if those guys get forced to make plays, like you just you don't have you don't have another option. You you just don't you, yeah. you don't have anything you can do, and they you know if the, if they're able to get if they're able to get hats on those guys consistently in the run game, um, I mean, Baylor's going to put 250 rushing on the board without much difficulty. Um, I, the question is, what yeah, that's why it's kind of tough to, uh, yeah, I think it's kind of, it's tough to predict what Baylor's going to do offensively this game. Cause I think it's so dependent on how Texas tries to attack them. I mean, there is this possibility that Baylor is just able to run over them no matter what Texas does, but yeah, I think I think it's very feasible to think this is a game where Gary throws for three fifty, or this is a game where Baylor runs for two fifty. They're probably not going to do both. If I, uh, but it just it, it really depends. If if I'm if I'm Jeff Grimes, I think I'm going into this game telling people we're it, you're te- you're telling your kids like this is a statement game for us. This game's not about this game is not about Texas. This game is about Baylor. Like we have, if we play our best we can run these guys over even if they want to be in cover one and they want to bring an eighth guy down. The only way that the only way that Texas can for sure lock them up is if they bring the other safety down and they, they basically run a version of cover four where they're, they've got nine guys inside the box. And if they get to that point, they'll, they'll call them a state plan. State, if they get to that point, they're going to throw them out of it. it that, there's no other option, but they're, you know, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm Grimes, I'm looking and going, okay, this, you're going to come down. You're going to play me aggressive. We're going to we're going to try to run you over because I I think that yeah. they're with the man coverage that they want to play. Um, I don't like GB GB throwing well against man coverage is not outside of the go route is not something we've seen a lot of. I think I would feel more comfortable trying to figure out ways to generate runs um, against an eight man against an eight man front, particularly with how good the how good they've been the last the last two games that I would be trying to get out there. So yeah. I think that I think that no matter what, they're gonna to try to run the ball down their throats. I, I think that's that's yeah. the first and most important thing. And then everything else is gonna be an off pitch off of, you know, a combination of five to six plays. And if they're if, if UT's able to stop it consistently, I I I, I know why it's very it, the the common the common phrase right now on the on Baylor message boards for sure, and I think on some other on some other gambling uh, websites I've seen, is that this is like a walk for the over. I, I don't think that at all. Uh, there is there is a real path to Baylor like struggling to get to twenty points in this game. I mean, at Oklahoma State, 
Oklahoma State got locked up by UT in the first three quarters of that game. Like Oklahoma State had sixty had seventy yards of rushing with a minute left in the third quarter. I mean, they just got they got locked up. No way to put it. Um, the uh, their defense got their defense was absolutely exhausted, and they they gave up a bunch of big runs in the fourth quarter because the offense was just crap for them and put them in bad positions. But you you don't hold Oklahoma State. To, I mean, that's better than what Baylor did by a mile. I mean, they they had a better first three quarters defensively against Oklahoma State than Baylor did. There's just no question about that. Um, there is a path there for them to do that. I just think that. I think that Baylor's going to be able to hopefully handle that, but I, I'm a lot more nervous about this. When I, the first time when I watched it on, on Tuesday and I started doing prep work for this, um, I felt I felt pretty comfortable that Baylor's going to be able to get into the mid-30s. I don't feel that way anymore. Um, I, I I just don't feel that way anymore. So, Well, I'll close the loop on Baylor's offense here before we start talking about the other side of the ball. I, just, I think one thing that's really important as a Baylor fan and and for Baylor's chances this game is that I think they've realized that Abram Smith is the better standard down running back. They're really, they're really riding him on standard downs. Um, and because this is a game where if UT is going to do anything defensively to stop the run, it's going to come from their line play. But as you, you know, as we talked about their linebackers are not good. And so it's going to be a game where that initial hole is not going to be obvious probably, you know, those defensive linemen are going to be covering the guards. It's going to be a quick decision. There's not going to be a lot of space. And one thing that Abram has shown over and over again this year is he is really, really good a at knowing whether to cut back or not, but B, even if he pushes it front side and it doesn't appear like there's much there, he can really get skinny. And then equally as important, he can get skinny and stay powerful through the hole. A lot of guys can kind of find that skinny hole, but they still get knocked down at two or three yards He's so good at keeping that strength going through there. So I think it might be one of these games where like a run either goes for one yard or for nine yards. And I think we might see a lot of that with Abram. I think that's, I th- um, I do yeah. think that's very true. This, this is very much a one yard, nine yard type game because, because of the way that they want to, they want to play their linebackers. Like if they get those guys blocked, it's going to be nine. If they don't get them blocked, then those linebackers are going to be able to get into the hole and make those tackles like at the line of scrimmage. And it's going to be like one or two yards. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. Well, let's move to the other side of the ball, which is kind of like the ultimate football nerd um, matchup of the year, which is Dave Aranda's defense. Uh, I, it's kind of weird. I always feel bad. You always want to feel like you throw Roberts in there. I mean, obviously, this is Ron Roberts' defense, too. So the Aranda-Roberts defense versus the Sark offense. Um, yeah, hit it off, Jeff. What are you thinking on that side of the ball? So I actually had a, I had a brief Twitter thread on this. I went back and watched. I was very curious what um, – in 2019, Alabama obviously played LSU. That would have been Sark versus Aranda. I was super fascinated to see what that game really looked like. Um, and my takeaway was very interesting. So, it, you know, one of the things, if, if, you're, if you're trying to learn more or you really, you really enjoy Baylor football, I would strongly encourage you to listen to Dave Aranda's press conferences because um, – most most coaches press conferences are pretty worthless outside of like injury information. Like it's just it's just kind of dull platitudes. Um, Aranda is, I actually think he probably overshares like twenty percent too much sometimes when it comes to game plan stuff. And I'm like, really? Are you sure you only putting that out there? Um, because when he talked on Monday, one of the things that he was very forthright about is he said, you know, like they run the ball and they have shot plays, and you got to pick and choose which one you want to stop. 
And he was kind of pretty straightforward about that, which was like, we have to stop the shot, the shot plays, those big play action bombs. And we've got to figure out how to contain Robinson. Um, and it's very difficult. And he used the word double explicitly, which I thought was very interesting. Um, you know, he said, like, we got to figure out how to form, get it. We have to figure out how to get into formation such that we can double their um, wide receivers while being able to provide run support. Um, and I was really taken aback by that because it, when you look at the other two, like, strong rushing defenses that um, are offenses that Baylor's played in, in uh, BYU and I think Iowa State and Oklahoma State as well, like, that's not the that's not the approach they took. They in both those in those other games, they really focused on trying to shut down the run, which was like we're going to send everybody into the run. We're going to uh, we're going to try to hold up on on the edge with. Um, we're going to try to use our defensive backs on in contain, uh, particularly against like duos. That's what I, they did a lot with Iowa State to mixed success, to be honest. Um, and you just like we're going to stop the run. 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 You know, when I that's not what they did against that's not what he did against Alabama in twenty nineteen, and that's not what he said he was gonna do in the press conference. So I, I'm very I'm very interested in seeing what they try to do uh, on Saturday. I think what you're going to see is that there are going to be times when they when they pull the when they pull uh Morgan down into the box, particularly to help deal with the RPO. Um they're going to pull those. They're going to pull him down, and they're going to try to gap out and try to get him on the ground. I also think there's going to be a lot of plays where they're going to sit back in. Um, they're going to sit back in quarters in too high and just go. We think we can keep you to like three to five yards on this play, and you know we'll go do it. Um, Baylor has a significant myth. Bay, UT's best offensive lineman is their right tackle at these cut. I'm not even going to pronounce it. I know it's got, it's got a weird T in it. Um, he is, he's a player. Um, he's also the, in addition to being obviously a player, like I think he's the one offensive lineman I would look at and go, that guy has a real chance to play on Baylor's line right now. I think the other four spots, Baylor's markedly better. Um, and outside of that one, like what that also means for Baylor is they've got a real advantage with their defensive line on Oklahoma's offensive line. And so what I think Aranda is going to do, they're not going to do it every play, but what I think you're going to see a decent amount of is they're just going to kind of roll the dice and hope that one of their defensive linemen is going to be able to make a big play um, while keeping these play action shots to a minimum. And because if they can do that once, if they can do that once, then they get behind the chains. And what this, what the Sark offense cannot do yet and what I don't think they'll be able to do on Saturday, they, they don't have a drawback passing game. At all. They've got a play action passing game. They've got an RPO passing game. They've got a screen game or sort of a screen game with what they do with their wide receivers. Um, but they don't, they don't really have a traditional drop back passing. Uh, they, they just, they don't have it <laughs> period. Um, so if you can get, if you can figure out a way to keep them from doing those shot plays and to keep them from keep Robinson from Jess going off, the goal is always going to be to get into like third and six plus, and then you can do your thing. Um, in terms of a blitz, get him off his first read, and you're going to be able to get an incomplete, or you're going to be able to get him on the ground. Um, I don't know. What I don't know is how often they're going to mix and match, like how often they're really going to try that. Maybe they don't do that. Maybe they just sell out and say, like, actually, you know, he's not that good of a quarterback, and we're going to treat him like we did Sanders, and we're going to, um, we're just going to blitz the run game. That's what 
Oklahoma State did in the second half. That's what Oklahoma did in the second half. It was just attack, 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 and not give him any breathing space and see what happens. Um, that, that may be what they go for. I, I really don't know. Um, the, I, you know, I, I guess that's, that's probably not a great answer. You know, you're listening to this looking for analysis and I'm like, well, they could do one or they could do the other. I don't really know. But, um, <laughs> I, I do think they will have to, they will have to be careful for the blitz because going back to what Sark does very well, you know, he's going to be able to script stuff for what he he's played Aranda before he's coached against Aranda. He knows how he wants to call a game. He knows how Roberts wants to call a game. Um, they're, he's going to know how to attack those pressure ones. They're going to get off some big plays. I mean, they just are. Um, I, if it was me, I, I would focus more on trying to keep the shot plays to a minimum. I don't think their offensive line is good enough to be able to matriculate down the field and get 30. What I would be most afraid of if I was Aranda and Roberts would be, if they're able to consistently hit those shots like BYU was, you know, I, I don't, Robinson is good enough that if they're going to live inside Baylor's 35, they're going to be able to put up touchdowns instead of field goals. And I don't want a game in which it seems like every drive, Texas is inside Baylor's 30 to 45 because within the first four plays, they hit a 30-yard play action pass. And that's that's the biggest issue with selling out against Robinson is if you do that, you're going to be spending a lot of time on your side of the field. Um, so... I think that particularly in the first half, they're probably going to do more of that. They'll, I think the goal is going to be trying to get through the script, like make him run through those plays. So I could absolutely see a scenario where they're more conservative in the first half and potentially much more aggressive in the second. Um, but that's that, that that to me is like how they're going to attack this attack this UT offense. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. Um, I think – one thing I'm curious about is is in the same way that you talk about how Sark really, really understands defense and he's able to game plan and draw out plays specifically that counter what he expects from the defense. I'm really curious to see, especially because Texas is pretty much a one-man show at wide receiver right now. Obviously, like, all their wide receivers have talent. Um, you know, they don't really recruit unathletic wide receivers. Uh, but Xavier Worthy is really their only guy right now uh, that really, really scares you. And so I wonder if if Aranda and Roberts kind of spent this past week trying to say, is there a way that we can have our cake and eat it too, to where we can get Christian Morgan up on the line of scrimmage, but basically guarantee that anytime they're in a formation or down in distance that we think they're going to look to take a shot, JT Woods is sitting over the top of Xavier Worthy over the time every time. Obviously, that's going to create other problems where that means you're you might be leaving a linebacker or or your opposite side corner is going to be 1v1 versus, you know, a linebacker might be 1v1 versus a tight end or a running back and opposite side wide receivers left alone. But uh, I do wonder if he, if he might kind of try and get both of them because sitting back there with Christian Morgan 10 yards off the ball, closing from deep on Bijan uh, Robinson is not necessarily something I'm super excited about. You know, Christian's a guy that you want to have up on the edge. So I think there's kind of a lot of, you know, neither of these coaches, I mean, it's college football. Neither of these teams have perfect rosters. Neither of these guys have exactly who they want at every single position that can do everything they want. So you have to really kind of pick and choose. So I'm, I'll be curious to see. Yeah. I mean, it's a big decision for Aranda and Roberts. They've been aggressive as hell all year. I mean, Dylan Doyle has spoken in a couple of the postgame press conferences and, and guys of uh, media members have asked him about stuff and he's led off like three or four different answers with like, you know, we're an, we're an aggressive defense. We blitz, we get after the quarterback 
And so that is another kind of aspect that Jeff, I know you and I had talked about before the pod is like, it can be tough to tell kids, Hey, we're an aggressive defense, but yeah, we're going to come out this game and we're going to sit back and uh, let them see if they can go down the field. I mean, not that that would necessarily be the worst plan, but there's kind of the mentality aspect to it there. So I did my best Jeff rambling impression. So I don't know, maybe I give you something to talk about. We're going to have to record this earlier in the day. Cause I could tell like I'm, I'm 400 years old and between getting up and then working all day, like I, I'm, I'm definitely not as sharp now as I think I would be if we were able to record. Earlier. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I do. I do agree with you. I think Baylor, Baylor has the personnel to stop, not stop. Baylor has the personnel to slow down the rushing attack with seven in the box. Um, I, I, I yes. think that they do. They don't. Robinson is Robinson is that good. He is going to get some yards. Um, I guess whether or not they sell out to stop him, or whether or not they kind of live with that to prevent the big play, it's we're just we're you know we're really just going to have to see. I do think they will have both tools in their box. My guess is that you're going to see a lot of try. Um, they're going to try to get them into certain formations, and then when they see a formation that they really like, um, and by like I'm by them I mean uh, Roberts. Um, They'll they're where they are very confident in a run out of this particular look. Um, I think you're going to see them get aggressive on early downs when they see that. But if they see any type of formation where they're they think that there's even like a 25 percent chance of a shot play, I think particularly in the first quarter, my guess is that they're going to hang back and try to prevent that first. Um, I could be yeah. wrong on that, but you know I, I I don't I don't know. That's that's that is how I would play. I'm also not. Dave Aranda or um, Roberts. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But I, I do think that's there. Uh, in the passing game, I think you're right. It's it's difficult to go back on doubling. It's really hard to double out of cover one. Um, you just, it is, well, it's not hard. I mean, you just call the play. But <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to survive. It, it's, it's tough to survive because what when you do that, you are asking, you're asking your, um, Typically, your hook defender or your apex, and which is, and by an apex, I mean like it's hard. It's hard to describe without without visualizing. But the, the the furthest outside defensive player in the pass game is is always labeled as cornerback. The person next inside is is the apex defender. Okay, so your apex. De- so that's going to be like Jalen Petrie a lot in this defense. It is, yeah, it is Petrie a lot, but it's also when Petrie's not on, when Petrie's on one side of the ball and. Um, um, Randolph, the Jack is on the other, it's Randolph. And so they are not afraid at all to ask the Jack to be the apex defender in a pass rush, in, in the pass defense. Well, you know, as good as we think that Randolph is, do you really want Randolph covering literally anybody one-on-one with no safety help to his side? Like, that seems like, I, that just, I, I mean, yeah. that, there's living dangerously and then there's like, there's that. <laughs> um, I mean, it just, yeah. it just is like, I mean, like if I, if sorry, if I'm Sark and I see that, like I've got some special hand signal for a wheel route where I'm just like, I don't even know, like throwing stuff on yeah. the field to try to get people to get the playoff on time. Because I just like, I, I can just picture Robinson peeling off against him in an apex and just, I mean, like he's open by 30 yards and like takes a nap onto the end zone, all that kind of stuff. Um, so yes, you can do that, but it's very aggressive. I, I do think that they will, yeah. they probably are very familiar with their formation tendencies. Sark really, um, Sark really has certain, he tries to generate, he's a little bit like art in this way, which is he tries to attack you from a formation perspective. He wants to use his formations to put you in certain looks so that he can take advantage of that. Most offensive coordinators do that, but it, it is with Sark. It's very much a, 
I, I'm trying to formation. I'm trying to get you into certain formations so that when I I know how, what your rules are to defend this formation, so that I can get the one-on-one -on -one matchup I want. Um, as a result of that, you know Baylor Baylor runs really two primary defenses. They just run quarters instead of cover four. But you know they they run a lot of a or that's I mean they run a lot more. But those are their two standards: cover one and one rat. Excuse me, uh, one rat and uh, quarters. Okay, so Jeff and I have been uh, staying up past our bedtime, so we're going to close this out with, obviously, the game prediction. Um, Jeff, why don't you go first? I felt much more optimistic about this game until really today. Uh, just watching watching the OSU tape in depth and really trying to chart them, uh, I came away really impressed. Like, I just did. Um, I, I think that... Uh, yeah, I guess to put it out there like right now, I think that my my guess at this game is probably I think I can't believe I'm saying it. I'm gonna say UT twenty eight, Baylor twenty five. I hate I hate to put that out there into the world. Um, that's that is what I think is going to happen. I I could I, I absolutely could be wrong on that, but I I I need to see Baylor's guards dominate in this game. And if you're wondering how the game's going, and if you're, you you don't understand like how you, you don't like watching offensive line play, you're not a, you're not a dork like myself. I guess the best way to put it is like I, I feel very confident in saying that if X and J and Miller have if they win if they draw even on their matchups, Baylor's going to get between 27 to 34 points in this game. If they dominate, Baylor's going to get 40 to 45. If they struggle like they did against Oklahoma State. Um, and that's one player in particular more than the other. In fairness to in fairness to the right guard, Baylor's gonna have a tough. Baylor is gonna have a tough road to hoe to get to twenty four points outside of a turnover. I mean, even in the Oklahoma State game, like Oklahoma State doesn't have twenty. Oklahoma State doesn't have twenty five points on offense. They got a or that's what they had. They got a pick six that pushed them over thirty. Um, and they got a turnover that put them in great field position. Like they, they did, they were not able to generate consistent offense against that Texas team until the very end when the Texas defense was absolutely wiped out. So I, I want to come into this game and predict a large scoring game. I would love to be wrong. There's certainly a path for that to happen. Um, but right now, as I look and see it, like I need to see Baylor's guards play well against, um, a front like against the front where they're going to be covered up, and that's very different than what they were asked to do against Iowa State, um, where they were trying to move up and get on linebackers a lot more. Uh, so it's it's just a different type of game. They're going to be dealing with guys on the line, but that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. Well, um, you know, Jeff watched more than I did. I think I'm kind of reveling in the keep it simple, stupid aspect for me. I almost kind of just feel like a, an announcer in the sense of if you look at if you look at Baylor under Aranda and last year their defense wasn't nearly as good as it is this year. I think the most points they've given up since since he got here is something like thirty one. I, I want to say it was thirty one points to somebody. I mean they gave up twenty nine to Iowa State. I know that, but I think it's something like thirty one points. I don't think Casey Thompson is going to put up more points on Baylor and Aranda than anybody else has. I just don't think he's good enough to do it. I think Texas brings a lot to the table offensively, but it's just really hard to win with, as you said, Jeff, average quarterback play or meh quarterback play or however you said it. 
And so I think it might be one of these deals where we're looking at a lot of different inputs and, you know, you're focusing on Baylor's offensive line play and it's not wrong to look at all these inputs, but so much of what happens in a college football game is dependent on quarterback play. I think Thompson's going to make a couple of crucial mistakes and, uh, and not be able to consistently lead drives because they don't have that passing game installed. I think it's going to be a pretty wild game kind of back and forth and, uh, and contrasting styles too, because I think Texas very much is going to be that like 45 yard play and then score two plays later. Whereas Baylor is probably going to be putting together a lot of seven, eight, nine play drives. Um, but I, you know, I like, I, I think if Baylor leans on Abram this game, they're able to get enough done. Um, so yeah, I'm thinking something like Baylor 38, Texas 30, something like that. I, uh, let me put it, I will put it out there this way to everyone. If Baylor's offense gets 38 to 40 points in this game, they're going to win out. Like, I, I, I feel comfortable saying that. Like, if they – we'll talk about TCU next week because I, I can't wait for that game. Um, <laughs> but um, – God, they suck. Uh, but <laughs> UT's defense is, is significantly better than it was against Arkansas. They're not Iowa State. But I remember – like, I told you this. I think you – th- when we told this, you, I think you predicted a, a higher score than I did on, on Iowa State. I think your prediction was in the upper 30s against that and I think I told you the same thing or maybe it wasn't I'm trying to recall you're looking at me like this no I picked 27-17 but I they Baylor scored 24 so okay you know, whatever. I, I can't remember which game we were this must have been an offline game then I, I, I apologize uh but you know if Baylor if Baylor gets to 40 against this defense and it's not junked up like they're just mauling them which is it, there's a path to it it's not impossible that that happens but if they put up 40 against this Texas team they're 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 making the title game, and then it's we'll see who they play then. Um, if 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 yes, yeah, there's no question in my mind about that. Like if they put up forty, they're going to beat Oklahoma. Like Oklahoma's defense, if they're able to put up forty with the balanced attack against Texas, um, they're going to be able to run all over that pissy little. Oklahoma I mean, this defense. is a statement I know I know we use a lot, um, and it's. It's simultaneously meaningless and super meaningful. But coming off a bye week in Aranda's essentially first year as head coach, like, you know, really having the team under his under his belt, all that kind of stuff. His first real bye week to with to establish this culture, I think it's it's kind of one of these things where like if this team is as good as we think they are, they should put up thirty eight points. Uh, yeah, I know like I, should is doing a lot of work there, but like if this team, you know, they've, they've built this offense the entire year to do this one thing. And that thing is to look at a seven man and eight man box and be able to say, look, we've got a quarterback run threat and a running back run threat. And we're going to be able to run it no matter what you do. Obviously a lot easier said than done. I just like, I think I like where the mentality of this team is at right now. They seem kind of like to have a cool confidence about them and coming off by week. And I think they're going to be amped up to play a, you know, a team that everyone always gets amped up to play. So I think there's kind of some extracurriculars that we haven't really talked too much about on this pod because it's, you know, it's, it's there's not much you can say other than just like, you know, get amped up, all that kind of stuff. But I think a lot of that stuff does come into play where in the sense of like you talked about, like, you know, some of Baylor's offensive linemen haven't had great games in spots this year. I doubt that happens because of like motivation and all that kind of stuff this week. It could happen because they get whipped, but we'll see. Anyway. Yeah, I, I you know, I could be overly pessimistic. I definitely have a contrarian streak, so like you know, 
a lot of people that I've talked to on the Baylor side, like everyone thinks it's a high scoring game that I've talked to. I, I haven't talked to a single person that thinks that the under is the play here. And so I get that that's um, and right now the under is, I think, 61 and a half. So, I mean, you know, two team, both teams scoring under 30. Um, I, I just, and I, I could, you know, I could be wrong. I'm wrong all the time. Um, I just, until I see, you know, Baylor had the opportunity against two great defenses to mash the ball and they didn't get it done. And they, they yeah. won one of those games. I mean, they, they beat Iowa State, and that was a very close contest. But they didn't get it done. Um, and so I need to see, like, until I feel – until they do it, which I think they're in a much better position because I also think that in the bye week – Aranda talked about this a little bit. They It seems like they focused a lot on technique on the bye week, and then they had a scrimmage for the young guys as a way to, like, get them some PT and, and to have a day off for the older kids. Um, but – you know, there there's certainly a chance that they, from a technique perspective, they can go do this. Like if Baylor performs how they are capable of performing, yeah, they're going to put up 45. Like if they execute the way they can on with their with their blocks, with the way the defense is set up, they're going to be able to they're going to be able to crease them like they just are. Um, but I got to see it before I can call it. And if I see it this week, then you're going to hear you're going to start hearing me talk openly about like the scary P P word that starts with P and it's <laughs> um, like that, that if, if Baylor comes out and puts 40, like that, that's the next level discussion. And I think that's also the other part of it is to take that next step. You're really talking about this team being a four real top five team. And like, no one wants to say that out loud, but for Baylor to put up 40, to 45 and to just throttle them offensively like that's what we'd be looking at we'd be looking at a, at a top five to top a top 10 team for sure potentially a top five team like right now do we really think Baylor's a top five team like I gotta see that before I'm willing to go that far because with the defense where it's at if the offense drops 40 to 45 and their technique is great and they're they're mashing everybody and the timing's great on, on the, on the, on the zone, on the zone beaters and Taekwon's, you know, leaving guys in the dust on the go routes. And it's just a complete party atmosphere at McLean. Like that, I mean, that, that's really what we're talking about at this point. Like we're talking about a team that's in that, that scary P and off word. So hopefully we see that this week. Um, I would love to see it. I, I, from <laughs> what I've heard, I believe the team is very confident. They're feeling really good about this week right now. Um, and that's a great thing. Apparently the vibes are all 100 from what I've heard. Um, I think, I think that's the word, by the way, I read an article about how 37 year olds are scared of Gen Z people in the workplace because Gen Z people are telling them they aren't cool. I'm lucky. I've never been cool. So I don't have to worry about like a loss of, of there you go. Uh, but yeah, I, that's a good way to end it. Like if that, that's my prediction, but yeah, if, if Baylor's pull, putting up 40 you, and you're listening to this podcast and you're trying to think like, where could this team go? That's where they can go. If that's what the if that's what the end result is, and Baylor wins this like forty one to twenty three or something like that, all bets are off. <laughs> so yeah. oh yeah, that's oh, a yeah, great brother. that's a great way to end it. Then yeah, all bets are off. Well, everyone who's stuck with us this far, thanks. Um, we'll get better at this as we go along, but I know a lot of you freaks are like us and just you know like it. So appreciate y'all listening. Thank y'all very much. Um, see y'all on Saturday, hopefully. Adios. <laughs>